episode three of Rajam Radio. I'm your host, Pavan Rajam. Hope you're having a delightful day or evening or whenever you're listening to this uh, podcast. First off, I just wanted to say thank you for all of the feedback uh, from episodes one and two. It's been largely positive, and I'm quite happy with how the show has been received. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please do give it a, a review in uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe, and, and share it with your friends. It, it means quite a lot. My guest for this episode is Zach Khan, who leads podcast marketing at Vox Media. You probably know Vox from one of their many popular brands like Polygon, The Verge, Recode, Eater, and of course, Vox. Our conversation focuses on the state of podcasting with a look into how the format has evolved over the years the podcasting ecosystem, and podcasting apps. One quick programming note, this is part one of that conversation. Part two will be published in a separate episode. Zach's a really smart guy, and I think you're going to enjoy our conversation and what he has to say. I'm I'm super excited. This is, I guess, I should say, one of my first official podcasts. So, um, this is awesome. This is it's kind of funny that it's taken this long, given that you're like the you know what's your current title at, at Vox, the the marketing lead for podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I'm currently leading podcast marketing. Uh, so I should probably figure out what this thing's about <laughs> before I start uh, <laughs> advocating for it on behalf of our company. But uh, you know, here we are. Yeah. So speaking of where, where we are right now, um, how did you kind of end up in, in this role? I know you, you did some stuff previously at Vox and have kind of done marketing stuff on the social front uh, at other places, but kind of what's your, what's your sort of life path up until this point? Yeah. <laughs> Still figuring it out. Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, so I've been at Vox for almost two years at this point. Um, and it's actually a pretty good story of how I got here. It's a little long. Um, it's probably worth telling, though. So um, I actually come to Vox Media by way of a podcast. Uh, so I was in a, I was a senior in college uh, two years ago at uh, the George Washington University, which is sort of gets to how we met um, in D.C. And I'm listening to a podcast. I'm at the, the gym and I'm listening to uh, at the time it was actually Recode Decode. And on uh, every Tuesday was Kara Swisher, and every Thursday was Peter Kafka. And um, he's inter- Peter's interviewing someone from BuzzFeed, and you know he he stops to take an ad break, but instead of reading a script from a sponsor, he uh, mentions that he's hosting the Code Media Conference out in California. And uh, you know this is an annual gathering of you know a bunch of different media and entertainment leaders um, from you know digital publishers to print publishers to TV and broadcast, and so. He says, I'm giving away a ticket. Um, please send me an email, you know, explaining why you want to come and I'll select a winner. And uh, a few days before the conference, I get an email from Peter that says something to the effect of, hey, can you still make it? <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, yeah, I can, of course. Uh, so, I, you know, I email my teachers. I'm like, I, I have to, you know, <laughs> leave for this conference. And, uh, I, you know, I, I look and find the cheapest flight I can. Uh the conference is happening at a Ritz Carlton in California and I booked the best Western down the street uh, <laughs> to make it a bit more economical. And uh, long story short, I meet the Recode team. I meet some folks from Vox Media and uh, I started talking to them about, you know, how much I love the stuff that I guess now I can say we're doing. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. I was graduating that May. And uh, one thing led to another. I found the right person who, you know, I, I followed up. I sent an email. They sent it along and kicked off the interview process. And uh, and I've been here for two years. So that's, that's I guess, the story how I got here. Um, and I was working on a bit of, uh, I was working on a lot of different things, um, but all on behalf of three brands, or we call them networks now. Uh, and that's The Verge, Polygon, and Recode. And uh, doing some marketing for them, doing some sponsorships for them. Um, just basically trying to find ways outside of the actual like production of content to help grow the business um, for each of these brands. And, uh, you know, we launched our our esports uh, websites on Polygon. 
We did some live podcasting for The Verge. We launched the Recode 100 for Recode, uh, which is a list of the 100 most important business leaders. Anyway, I'll stop plugging. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's been an awesome two years. Um, and, uh, yeah, before that, I was interning at a bunch of other companies doing some social marketing, uh, funny enough, some podcast marketing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've just always been interested in the sort of, I guess, confluence of, like, technology and media. and um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been great so far. So you definitely do tick off the boxes to be on the show. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Of, that sort of uh, you know everyone likes to co-opt that like Steve Jobs is, Jobsism of like the intersection of X and Y. But um... I know I, <laughs> I was trying to like pay homage to it, but like not you know sort of just retweet it basically. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. You know, he was he was a one smart fellow. So, uh, um, yeah. So, so you you alluded to how we met, and I think it's it very much mirrors every other person who's been on the show thus far, which is like Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yep, like exactly so like you end up following the same group of people, and then it's just like it for me. It's always. I always, by default, just start off hating people, usually, especially if they're in my peer group. It's like, who the fuck is this guy always getting retweeted or having, like, a billion more followers than me or whatever? Like, I come from a place oh of complete God. complete insecurity, and then it's just like, nah, I should, I, there's a reason for that. Like, uh, so, you know, I, then I check myself, and then I'm like, okay, I should probably reach out to this person, given that there's, like, interested in the same stuff and somewhat accessible, right? Like. You know, yeah. at the time you were you were at um you know at GW and uh, I I guess I was in Philly at the time, but I would come down to DC area every once in a while because that's where I grew up. Um, and so you, you you I think were wrapping up your final year there. Then we just went and got dinner yeah. at one of, like the founding restaurants in a in a Love Georgetown, right? Yep. Yep. Uh... Is that Farmer's Fishers? Farmer's Fishers Bakers? Yeah, yeah, we Baker. went to Farmer's Fishers Bakers. Now, every time I go back and Sam's back there, we always go to the Founding Farmers in MoCo. Uh, oh, look at that. So Keeping it so in the family. Yeah. Um, those places are so great. Um, they are. They also have a very good cookbook. I'm plugging that. They're not yeah, a sponsor. Yeah, what are they? Did they sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> this, is some, this is some house adver- uh, advertising. Oh, man. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but the sponsor reads for the show have been kind of ridiculous. I have loved them. I actually, we should be doing some of these. Uh, the Kylo Ren one in particular uh, was just spot on. So <laughs> I'm actually curious to see what you got lined up for this one. Oh, I, this might this this one might hit a little closer to home. <laughs> oh no! Oh yeah. No. This week's sort of main section is going to be a discussion about. Uh, Podcast. So this is going to be a podcast about podcasts, um, and we're not. Uh, you know, I, this, it's not going to be the sort of inside baseball like production stuff, but more of like where is this industry going? Uh, how how is this uh, fitting in with the broader sort of media story? And I think we'll we'll touch everything from uh, you know from the content side all the way to like how we're, you know, people are accessing this content through client applications and smart speakers and all that crazy stuff. So, um, to start off on a personal note, uh, how did you get into podcasts in the first place? Oh, Ooh, that, um, I, you know, I think it actually probably started truthfully with the verge, um, not to, to plug the company, but I think, you know, the first time, and this is going to be, I guess, embarrassing to whatever cred I have in, in the Apple community, but it was I discovered John Gruber through um, the, the show that he did with Josh Topolsky for The Verge um, way back in the day. This is, I guess, 2011. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I heard I was then I started reading Daring Fireball, um, started loving Daring Fireball and uh, then started listening to the talk show at the time with Dan Benjamin, uh, really enjoying that. and then. You know, probably finding, I think, the what are now called Relay FM shows, but, you know, at the time, I guess, on 5 by 5 And, uh, yeah, finding more and more shows about technology, about Apple, about uh, politics, about, um, you know, your favorite movies and TV shows, right? This is at the time that, like, 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like already sort of uh, maturing and, you know, Game of Thrones is a big deal and Breaking Bad is a big deal. And so um, there was really just a podcast for for everything. And I just found that like every time I listened to one, even though it was a commitment, right, like I was spending an hour or whatever, um, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it in a way that like I didn't enjoy reading a long text article or didn't enjoy, you know, sitting down for a, uh, you know, a 45 to an hour TV show, you know, cause you can speed through these things, uh, as I, as I controversially do. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I just, uh, I just, I guess I never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting. So I, it, I don't find your, your story as unconventional as you think it is. Cause yeah. I can, I can guarantee you mine is, is significantly weirder. Um, okay. Let's hear that. It. The year is, 2005 right itunes podcast directory uh launches um that's not what got me into podcasts (laughs) yeah (laughs) believe it or not we have the directory (laughs) yeah yeah so so directory they will come so it it wasn't that it was actually uh another product ship that year which was the sony playstation portable um oh yeah and in uh i think it's some point they shipped a software update that added a RSS like ingester for media for podcasts. And so I I skipped this whole notion of like syncing shit or like syncing an iPod or anything. Like you could basically just get a URL, plug it into the RSS reader on the PSP and then just stream your podcast on your like gaming device. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and and so for like three solid years, like that's how, and I mean, I would just listen to everything through that. Um, now, could you listen while you were playing a game? I maybe. I mean, I my thing was was just like I would go to sleep listening listening to gaming podcasts. Like at yeah. the time, huh. um, at the time, OneUp dot com was like really getting into. Uh, um, you know, podcasting and and I think it very much they're kind of like the the forerunner to what what Polygon is kind of doing now, where it's kind of personalities leading the sort of uh content and putting the people up front. Um, One Up was doing so, that back with podcasts back in like two thousand, you know, five and six with like the One Up Show and One Up Yours and and all those yep. you know OG gaming podcasts that you know I. <laughs> It's it's kind of funny going back and listening to some of that stuff because like uh some of this didn't age really well right like right was, right like like the the some of the early one up show episodes are like man like yeah the editor like your writers and editors are not actors but um but yeah it started totally. from there it started from there and then I ended up doing um you know I switched over to an iPod and was syncing stuff with uh with uh, iTunes um you know obviously then. Uh, you know, the iPhone comes along and it's like, then you're getting that sort of PSP not syncing experience through your phone. And I think the rest is sort of history. Um, yeah. At some point I shifted from listening to gaming podcasts over to like tech podcasts and some comedy stuff here and there. But it's, it's, it's pretty crazy how much the industry has matured in the last like, you know, 12 years, I guess. Yeah. It's that adage where it's like, it's moving super sluggishly right and it's just like you feel like you're listening to the same stuff over and over again uh and then all of a sudden it sort of changes right and you look back and like wow i cannot believe (laughs) i was listening to podcasts on my psp back then this is like 10 years ago and uh and now i'm streaming them from my phone with smart speed and probably the number of podcasts is you know quadrupled and the quality is quadrupled and now now the podcast is, and I'm sure we'll get to this, like a TV show and vice versa. And so it's just kind of wild how that, how that moves that way. Yeah. Um, so in, in terms of, uh, you know, the content, I, I think it, there's been this, at least I've noticed this sort of shift from let's just syndicate like radio content, right? Like NPR famously would just throw everything up, uh, you know, as, as a podcast in the early days. And that's kind of how a lot of people thought of the medium just like on demand radio. Um, and then at the same time, like you had like the various, like, you know, one up yours and, and those shows that were just kind of like three hours of conversation <laughs> that like, totally. really you couldn't, you couldn't do anywhere else. 
Um, you know, cause I don't think YouTube, YouTube, you couldn't do these sort of long form like video content at the time. It was still like, you know, you had a 10 minute limit or something. Um, right, right, right. Um, and then I think with, with, uh, you know, th- there's, so there's that sort of transition to something more scripted, right? So there's uh serial is a big inflection point in that regard. Yep. Um, and then uh, now there's this sort of daily thing going on, which, uh, you know, I'm setting you up for a plug I, I here. Would even, yeah, <laughs> no, I would even before going to that, there was um, you, you mentioned, like, obviously, radio, uh, you know, broadcasters putting their shows on. But then, you know, simultaneously with like the rise of like YouTube just as a platform, um, you've got a lot of independent creators flocking to the space. Right. It was like relatively easy to produce, to edit, to distribute, um, to listen to. And so. Um, you sort of have, you know, I guess coming from both ends, right. You sort of have like the, the incredibly polished, uh, you know, sort of professional produced show at the one end of the scale. And then you've got this sort of, you know, two, two guys in a, in a bedroom who just want to, you know, talk about things, but they're in two different parts of the country or the world and, uh, and they can distribute that as a podcast. And so I think what you're starting to see now, um, is sort of each end of the spectrum sort of move. Um, either toward the middle or, you know, in the case of like what you were just talking about, sort of creating new new genres that are based off of other media formats, true crime being one, a daily being one. I mean, the daily isn't a new format, so to speak, right? Like, you know, daily daily news shows existed on radio for a long time. But um, yeah, and it's sort of on demand nature and sort of with the tone and and style and, and topics that you're starting to see today. Um, yeah, it's definitely sort of a new version of that. Um, and yeah, and you know, to, to, I guess, finish off your point, uh, we now have one, uh, and I, and I enjoy it very much. It's called today explained. Uh, and, uh, you should definitely listen to it. <laughs> I mean, I, I've listened to the, I guess, as of this recording, three episodes that are out. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, though I will say, and this is just probably a me thing. Uh, Lay it on me. Every time I hear Sean's voice, I picture Hassan Minaj for some reason. Oh my god! Of the Daily Show, I can't, like yeah. their voices are very similar to me. I can't get past totally. that. But well, look, that's not a bad thing, right? Starting out with Hassan Minaj, <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty quality talent right there. But um, yeah, no, Sean, I, I I met Sean recently. Sean is an incredibly cool, humble, kind guy. Um, I just can't say enough good things about him. And I think you know. Uh, again, not to make this too much about Vox, but, you know, he brings a sort of a different flavor uh, to sort of the Vox brand that like, you know, Ezra and Matt and uh, Sarah and some of the other folks that we have just don't have. And I think it's a really great compliment. Um, and, you know, we're just starting uh, literally only three shows. You listen to more than I have. <laughs> uh, I've only listened to the one about uh, nuclear war and Black Panther, which sort of gives you a taste for the variety <laughs> we're going for there. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's. Uh, it's a, a sort of a meaningful compliment to what already exists in the daily podcast space, the daily news podcast space. And I think, you know, it'll just continue to get better and bigger. And, um, you know, I'd love to see more of them from other, other folks. Cause I think, um, this is really just the start of this specific flavor of this, you know, genre. Um, and I, you know, I think why couldn't you see, for example, to go back to how you got into podcasts, a daily gaming podcast. In fact, we actually used to produce one, uh, that, you know, it didn't, it was sort of timing wasn't right, but, you know, I could see for people who are obsessed with, you know, keeping up on the latest gaming news, a, a daily gaming podcast or a weekly gaming podcast. Uh, well, I guess a weekly already exists, yeah. uh, but a weekly, a sort of news, you know, news digest, if you will, less of a sort of talk show format. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm just excited for it, for a, definitely that genre, um, but the industry as a whole. Is it just me or does it seem like the, like, is everyone is the success of the like uh, the show like the daily right um is that yeah. kind of what is what is driving the sort of um the sort of move towards daily daily publishing and a da- daily publishing cadence or is it, it, it to your point like you know morning edition has been doing daily you know daily shows for a long time like that sort of idea of a show having a daily publishing cadence is not particularly novel but what what do you totally. think what is driving the confluence of like the daily or earlier and then um you know you, you obviously there's what uh today explained is doing uh you know in the apple world uh renee ritchie is doing vector on a sort of daily cadence what do you think yep. is the what are the market factors and and just 
what what do you think is driving that decision on the part of publishers? Yeah. Um, so I, th I think if you like, if you zoom out from audio for a second, you think about what we as a publishing company, a media company do every day, it's, you know, we publish content daily, right? We publish text articles, we publish certainly on the Vox YouTube daily videos, you know, um, we want to be a part of people's day every day, um, including weekends, uh, across a variety of different genres. Um, and so, you know, why not audio in some, in some respects, right? And, you know, I think there's been a hesitation about how do you do it? in a way that complements the existing work that we're doing on other formats? How do you do it uh, in a way that's unique uh, and sort of um, encapsulates the value of a specific brand? Um, how do you sort of take advantage of the unique characteristics of the format itself, right? Like not just taking the, the sort of audio from a video and, and putting it in a podcast feed. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, I'd be lying if I said the daily hasn't sort of paved the way for this stuff, right? You know, I'm a, I'm a daily, uh, or at least a weekday listener of the New York Times, the daily, and I think it's one of the best, uh, it's podcasts that exist. And I, I'd even go so far as to say, and I've, I've said this to their team, uh, it's probably the best product from the New York Times since NewYorkTimes.com, NYT.com. Uh, and why times, um, but, uh, uh, just gotta get that URL right for them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I seriously, I, I mean that I think it's, it is when you, um, when you think about what they're doing, right. Um, sort of breathing life into the stories that they're breaking, um, adding sort of flavor and context to who the people are, where they're reporting from. Um, you know, preparing people in the morning on a daily basis, like they're adding a ton of value um, to listeners lives. Um, they're also underscoring what makes the times great, right? Like having all of these journalists around the world who are the best at what they do, who are, you know, constantly reporting and breaking news. Um, and, you know, and, and they've got a, a stellar team of audio engineers and producers who are making sure that, you know, the sound is just right. And, you know, it's, it, I'm sure it's a complicated audio challenge when you've got people who are, you know, in the Middle East who are reporting on what's going on there or, you know, in Africa uh, and they're on a phone and they've got to make that sound great and palatable, um, if not compelling. Right. And so they're they're taking full advantage of the format and they're sort of setting a precedent for every other media company to say, look, you can tell um, compelling stories that are in some ways even better than text and video. Uh, through a daily news podcast. And so when you see that and you see it um, consistently across different topics, um, uh, you sort of have to ask yourself as a competitor or just as a participant in the space, you know, what can we do? What's our take on that? How can we contribute? Because, um, you know, the New York Times is, is not uh, a substitute necessarily for Vox and vice versa. I think we can complement each other, right? Um, I think people in this day and age, especially when media and entertainment is so democratized as it is, right? When I can access a New York Times article uh, for the most part as quickly and as easily as I can a Vox article, you know, say for, I guess, changes in business model, like with the paywall and stuff, but you know, you get the, you get the gist. Um, I'm able to consume so much information so quickly. Um, why not consume from both? And then, and then if that's true, you know, you know, what can Vox add to this conversation? I think if you, you stack us up against the New York Times, um, I think we're a bit more uh, casual. Um, I think we tend uh, to have a bit younger and more youthful perspective and tone um, that appeals to a certain generation of people. Um, I think we have different interests in not just topics overall, but in what about specific topics you know might be interesting to a person. So New York Times might, for example, uh, and this is just you know, sort of a random example might be more interested in the politics of the situation and Vox might be more interested in the policy of the situation. And I think you need both of those in order to have a sort of complete picture of what's going on. And, you know, so, so that's, I guess what we're doing in some way, right? They've got a uh, daily news podcast that is distributed in the morning. We've got a daily news podcast that's distributed in the evening. And, uh, you know, most people, at least as, as far as we can tell from analytics and from, you know, sort of just qualitative feedback, uh, are listening to both, right? Because they have a commute to and from work. They've got a commute to and from school. They, uh, you know, are preparing breakfast and dinner, right? Like, uh, so there's time uh, and space in order to be able to complement one another. And uh, yeah, I think that's what we're doing. And I think, um, you know, time will tell, uh, you know, whether or not people respond to it. So far, they, they absolutely are. Um, and I think the same can be applied for, 
you know, different topics and different cadences and, you know, live events and TV shows and, and all kinds of stuff that sort of stem from podcasts in the same way that podcasts are sort of stem from radio and, and blogging. So, uh, so, yeah. so to that point, do you think, do you think the meat, and this is probably a bit of a dumb question, but I, I think it's a fair <laughs> one to pose. Um, do you think we have finally hit that threshold where like, podcasts are their own thing like it's not just syndicated radio content it's not just you know like you said taking the the audio feed from a video and throwing it throwing it in a rss feed like this is this i mean i think it's safe to, that, that the answer is probably yes but i'm curious yeah. what, what what you think kind of marks that turning point yeah i think it's it's a few there's probably a few points that in some sort of amount to this change in perception. I think the the short answer is yes. I think we're at this moment now where we're beginning to see podcasts as their discrete medium, as something that can stand on its own, as something that is of great importance in people's lives and is of a certain level of, you know, production quality and has a certain level of cultural, you know, prevalence um, where, yeah, it, it sort of is its own unique thing. And I think that's great. It's certainly great for people's, you know, sort of media diets as a whole. It's certainly great for the people who are already in the podcast and sort of radio industry. I think the the moments that lead up to this are sort of like what we said, right? It's it's um, one, you know, a big, you know, influential company like Apple that has a platform that has millions of iOS devices that has now the podcast app installed uh, on the phone by default, right? Just giving people access to that marketplace. Um, is 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 one factor right because now i don't have to go hunt for things i don't have to go through a complicated setup process of installing you know with my my other device my my mac for example um so that's one part it's just access two is probably this this uh the cultural sort of response to serial um as as sort of crystallizing you know what podcasts are and can be uh especially with respect to how it's different than other mediums like i don't think you could have I don't think serial could have happened and had the same response if it were a TV show, a documentary, um, than if it were a podcast. Um, uh, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. I, I guess time will tell as some of this stuff becomes more cross-platform. Um, but that was certainly a huge moment. And then you know, the Daily, New York Times, the Daily being another moment. Um, and I think you're starting also to see, and this is you know, I think the, the platforms like Apple are sort of pushing for this. Um, you're starting to see a lot of people who are in pop culture, whether they're uh, authors or like M Malcolm Gladwell or they're, you know, uh, uh, broadcast, you know, personalities like Katie Couric or they're famous comedians or um, you're, they're just, you know, TV and Hollywood personalities. You're starting to see more people who are popular in other mediums flock to podcasting um, and that people follow people. Right. And so as that's happening, you're starting to see um, more and more attention paid to the space. And and then I think once you've got access, once you've got eyeballs, then it's a matter of like getting people to continue, or I guess it's not really eyeballs, it's ears. But once you've got, uh, once you have people who are like, you know, yeah, I'll check this out. It's a matter of keeping them there. And I think the content is on the whole so good um, that people are staying and people are you know, the, the number one way for podcasts to spread is by word of mouth. And, and that means people are actually telling other people, hey, you've got to listen to this podcast. Um, and I see that among some of my friends who are, you know, less technically inclined, who are less interested in sort of, you know, startups and in, and in media who are now recommending podcasts to each other um, about sports, about, uh, again, comedy. And uh, yeah, so I think it's a bunch of these like sort of key moments that sort of made it easier to access, easier to talk about, easier for you to feel less almost shame about it, right? The podcasts are sort of like a geeky, nerdy thing. And I think you can trace that to like the sort of mainstream adoption of, of geek and nerd culture as pop culture, right? Like the biggest movies that exist right now are comic book movies, right? Like I don't think we would have been saying that uh, in middle school, right? Or And so I think um, podcasts have sort of benefited from from that. So you, you mentioned the ease of use and accessibility and, and those sort of things. Um, but uh, to that point, um, uh -oh. you know, <laughs> you, you mentioned Apple and that that's the sort of kind of quiet, um, 
don't want to say elephant, but they're the quiet giant in the room that's, you know, they're obviously doing marketing activities around it, right? Their store is, is uh, you know, is, is curated and they, they promote content that's good and that can drive uh, engagement and listens and subscriptions and all those sort of metrics. Um, you know, they're doing a lot of uh, promotion off platform on Twitter and Facebook, um, you know, uh, and, and so they're, they're doing all that. And then you have, you know, obviously, uh, if you listen to Today Explained, you know, it's done in uh, with participation with Stitcher. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, people uh, like Marco Arment doing Overcast. Um, on both ends of it, as a listener... And as someone who, like for me, now that I am a publisher in this space, um, it's kind of a fragmented mess. I actually, I, I know there's been an argument for against centralization because you see how YouTube is kind of, YouTube and Facebook, you know, sort of monolithic platforms in their own spaces and, you know, Google broadly. Um, they've, they've tend to be kind of imperious in, with, in terms of revenue and terms and pushing content providers around and not thinking about, uh, you know, how to empower people to build sustainable businesses. Um, at the same time in the podcast world, it kind of sucks that I can't as a creator, just send one link to everyone and they can access the show, right? Like yep. if I send yep. them to my website, they have to, uh, you know, click on the subscribe, you know, they have to click on Apple podcasts or, uh, the overcast links I put there and then they go subscribe. Um, if they don't use, uh, you know, one of those two clients, which I mean, right now, because I have like 10 listeners to the show, <laughs> like I know for a fact they're, they're pretty much, they're either listening to Apple po- on Apple podcasts, they're listening on overcast or they like me enough <laughs> that they're willing to copy paste the RSS URL. Um, oh God and, bless them! You should yeah. give them a special like members perk for that. I mean, that's. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's uh, you know that that's the the my equivalent of Patreon uh, patrons. I yeah. guess. is did you copy paste the RSS feed? You get a mention at the end of the show. Um, yeah, you, you get you get you get an EP credit is what you get. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm curious, you know what your feelings on, on the lack of centralization and the sort of, you know, uh, you know, cause unlike, unlike the web, right. If you, you know, and, and obviously you know, this as, as being Vox and, and, and being a company that has had the foresight to invest in, you know, the technologies for, you know, your CMS and, and your whole sort of publishing stack. Right. Um, you know, People can just go to Vox.com, right? You don't have to worry about like, oh, what web browser are they using to access my content? Like, it's Vox.com. It's on Facebook. It's on totally. Twitter. Like, it's it's far but, easier. But I will say, I will say to that, you do have to worry when you're building these platforms and when you're thinking about also using, uh, you know, third party platforms, things like AMP and things like Facebook Instant Articles. What devices are people using, right? Are they using an iPhone? Are they using an iPad? Are they using you know, whatever uh, of the 100 different flavors of Android that exist out there, right? And you've got you've to make sure that no matter what device they're using, they're getting both a quality sort of uh, uh, editorial experience, but then also, you know, from a business perspective, you've got to make sure that the, the advertising experience is consistent there, right? Because we've got to please our clients as well. And we also want to make sure that it, that it is not a poor user experience, which is hard to do when you just add so many different variables. So I don't know, it's, it's, Look, it's. I think it's generally speaking, there are trade-offs to everything, right? There's pluses and minuses, no matter which way you go. If you go decentralized or centralized, um, I think the way the the platform exists, right? The way podcasts sort of exist right now, it's not ideal. I think there are some there's some sort of low-hanging fruit, uh, no pun intended, that can be addressed um, that can make the experience better, not just for for listeners, but also for publishers. Um, and um, I, I think. I think generally where it's at right now is good enough for people to get into it, right? Like I think it'd be even worse if Overcast had a whole other sort of directory and system that didn't even plug into Apple Podcasts, right? Um, the same is true for the other th- sort of third-party apps. Um, you know, we'll see what happens as Google and Spotify start to invest more in this space. Um, that might make it even more difficult. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, like you, I mean, you see all the problems right now with YouTube being a centralized platform. Um, um, I, I think ultimately. You know, Apple wants, um, and they say this, you know, publicly, they say this to partners, Apple wants podcasts to be a big thing. I think maybe, maybe five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, 
it, it, to use their parlance, it, it might have been considered more of a hobby for them, right? Uh, it was something that they did. Um, you know, a small group, you know, relatively speaking of people responded well to it. Um, they saw no reason to, to axe it, right? Um, but they sort of slowly iterated on it to sort of, you know, maintain um, stability with, you know, the evolution of their other more priority platforms and initiatives. And now I actually think it is an important initiative as they, as Apple starts to talk more about services, more about content, I'm sure we'll hear more about what, what the hell, you know, Eddie's actually doing with TV and, and, and movies, uh, probably at WWDC this year. I'd be surprised if we didn't. Um, and I think podcasts fall into that same bucket, especially, you know, again, as we talk about the sort of cross evolution of podcasts as a, as a format, and you've got different people moving from from TV to, to podcasts and, you know, podcasts becoming live events and et cetera. But, um, I think, I think they want it to be a really big deal. Um, I think they really want it to be a big deal from them. And I think they, you know, they have every right and reason to do that. Um, and I think that they are, they're very cognizant of, of people's feedback and what can make the platform better. Right. Um, and I, and I think they especially realize that in this sort of, like I mentioned earlier, the sort of, you know, rising prominence of things like, you know, Google Play uh, Music, which now has podcasts and, you know, who knows what else could come from them. Spotify, which now has podcasts. Um, and so I, you know, what I'd like to see personally, and I can't speak for the company on this, I, I would like to see an ability for you to be able, if I'm browsing, you know, on my computer, regardless of the browser, I'd like to, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at work or I'm looking at school and I see something that's interesting. I don't want to listen in the browser, right? All the, almost all mobile, almost all podcast listening happens on a mobile device. Um, and so I want to be able to save that. And then you can do it in a sort of hacky way now with overcast and you can do it with iTunes, but it's like, it's not a great user experience. I think they would probably own up to that. And so I think if you can remove the friction of being able to discover anywhere and consume where you want to most. Um, more and more people are going to listen more and more, and they're going to continue to advocate more and more, and people will adopt it more and more. And so, um, yeah, it, you know, there's some elements of it are a pain in the ass, but I think on the whole, it's it's good enough, and I think the people responsible know how to make it better. And so I'm just hopeful that um, they get the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and to that end, you you, you kind of started talking a bit about um, user experience and, and the sort of where listening happens and the sort of client client apps. Um, and I think that that's a good area to explore because frankly, um, and I've, I've, I've talked to some other folks about this and, you know, I've gotten some agreement on this point, but frankly, as this medium has matured, Right. As is it's it you you know, it started off as this sort of you know, again, syndication of NPR programming and that sort of, that was a sort of model, you know, ten years ago. It's its own thing yeah. now, right? And to be brutally honest, I don't think any any podcasting app, whether it's overcast, whether it is Apple's podcast app, I don't think any podcasting client that exists on the market today has really grown with the medium. It is they are all mm. still stuck in this sort of RSS reader type mentality where you go and subscribe to shows, I have to go find everything before it shows up like um yep. I know the probably the most radical sort of podcast app I've seen is from uh Jared Sinclair with Sodes. I don't know if you've seen that. But it's a very I've I've heard of it. I haven't and I've seen some screenshots, but I haven't played around with it. I mean, it's very stripped down and he's kind of billing it as the Netflix of podcasts. But to me, the Netflix of huh. podcasts is, you know, imagine if you went to your other streaming media apps, like let's say uh Netflix, right? And it's like, yep. oh, like I need to subscribe to the show to see it every time I open up the app, right? Or <laughs> or or prioritizing you know netflix prioritizes based on like what it thinks you'll like and what you've liked recently right like picking up a show that you're yep. just watching is uh very trivial on netflix right if i am on my ipad and i go sit down in front of my apple tv uh you know they're very good about like presenting that as a early option um you know, I know Apple's podcast app has the sort of recently played sort of feature but like in overcast i have no idea yep. how to do that right um, yep. how do we get 
podcasting the the end user experience of podcasting to be more in line with what we see from every other media type out there because right now it's still they're still just kind of hacky rss readers yeah um that's a great question i'm not going to pretend that i have the answer but i definitely have some thoughts on it (laughs) um uh i think one of the hardest aspects one of the the uh the most difficult characteristics of podcasts right now is that they're hard to discover and they're hard to share. And they're not like objectively hard, right? I can share you a link, you know, you open an Apple podcast, you might copy the link and, you know, find out how to do it in your podcast player of choice or on your platform of choice. Um, so it's not, it's not like on the whole difficult, but it's these small sort of annoyances that, especially when you're mobile, especially when you're like, you know, busy doing something, you're not gonna, it's all of those little steps that inhibit you from actually following through on the action. And so it ends up never happening. And so um, word of mouth is a great, again, a great way to to help people discover podcasts. But word of mouth is like is is not something that scales well. It's not something that is captured online in really any capacity. Um, uh, and you know, social platforms that you see people doing these audiograms um, to help sort of encourage listening, but that's basically responding to the fact that all of these platforms have optimized themselves for serving video. And an audiogram is a way to package audio content as a video. And uh, it's a poor user experience, right? Like it's better than a link, um, but it's not great. And what I'd like to see happen is I'd like to see some of these social platforms as podcasts continue to mature, as it continues to have prominence as its own meaningful medium, um, is for the platforms to design themselves around facilitating the sharing of, of podcasts, right? You know, if if Facebook wants to uh, sort of double down on making it so that you see more and more of your friends and family's content um, and they're sharing links to, you know, articles and videos and stuff, make it easy for them to share audio. Um, there isn't an easy way to do that right now. And that's a shame. And there's definitely ways for them to monetize that too. It's not a question of, you know, financial incentives, uh, especially as this stuff continues to trend upward. Um, so the social platforms are certainly one. Um, I think uh, to my point earlier about, you know, no matter the device you're on, no matter the platform you're on, being able to quickly and easily, you know, save something to your catalog so that you can listen to it on the device and at the moment that you want to, if there's some sort of interoperability, um, that would be great. I know that's a bit of a pipe dream, especially when you're talking about Apple, which wants to own the experience. Um but I'm, I'm of the belief, and I think you see this not just from a sort of platform perspective, but from a content perspective, the po- podcasts are at a moment right now where a rising tide lifts all boats. Um, I think uh, just in the same way that Today Explain complements the daily, right? Um, Apple being really into podcasting and Spotify being really into podcasting helps lift podcasting. Uh, and ultimately, because it's sort of, it, it's... Um, it's incredibly easy for me to download Spotify or, or download Apple Podcasts and use Apple Podcasts. Um, as long as they're getting people into podcasts, the circulation will happen and whoever has the best product will win. Um, and, you know, Apple prides itself on prioritizing the user experience and the product. And so if, if they are true to their word there, they shouldn't be worried. Um, so I'd like to see some interoperability. Um, and I, I think maybe the third thing that I'd like to see is, um, is, is a way to, in the same way that you see the web right now covered with YouTube embeds, um, you get these sort of like provider embeds, right? There's like an art 19 embed, there's a megaphone embed, but there's no like Apple podcast embed. At least I haven't seen one. Maybe there is, um, uh, there's yeah, a SoundCloud I, embed, but there, there's yeah. a, there's, they have one for music um right and i'd be so shocked if it, there's not some variant of that that points to um you know podcast yeah i mean i i haven't seen it used right um we certainly don't use it and so i think we'd be happy to use it um if it if it exists and it it provided a acceptable level of of sort of you know ease of use and uh design and and so um i discover you know maybe 25% of all youtube videos that i watch in a week because they're embedded on, you know, other media uh, and blogs um, that I follow. And so I think if you're able to do that for podcasts as well, uh, you're able to connect the platform that people use to listen with the instances in which they're discovering. Um, that will make it, again, just sort of uh, lessening those barriers. That'll make it easier for people to to discover and share. And so, um, 
that's not to say word of mouth goes away or becomes any less valuable. I think it sort of will continue to be incredibly valuable. It might even be continue to be the primary method by which people discover. But all of these instances are in these companies' financial incentives. It's in users' uh, best interests. It aligns with the ways in which they like to promote themselves. Um, and so hopefully you start to see this throughout the year as podcasts, again, continue to become um, a big deal in sort of mainstream culture. And uh, I think if they do, I think um, it, it's sort of a snowball effect, right? If it's easy for me to discover and share podcasts, I'm going to continue discovering and sharing podcasts. Uh, and so, and, and I think that's great. Um, I'd like to see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, so yeah. I, I think, uh, think for, for both, I would say long form video and, uh, and podcasts is, is that the, the value of because of just the nature of the medium and how it can be podcast can be anything as short as, you know, uh, you know, a 20 minute episode of today explained to like a four hour episode of the talk show. Um, <laughs> I mean, yep. the, the long, I, I have a, and maybe I could like write up a post about kind of equating this out to some sort of formula, but like as the, as the format of the media becomes longer form, the value of curation and recommendations and all that sort of stuff just gets higher. Um, 100%. And, and, yep. to, and to that end, um, that's something that the the podcasting platforms can do a lot. There's still a lot of headroom on that front in terms of curation. And, you know, I think Apple's done a good job with their browse slash featured page historically. I'm not the biggest fan of how it's laid out now, but... I think yep. th- that that's a great thing. Um, you know, the podcast- I'd be surprised if you didn't see the App Store Today view sort of morph into the, and I don't have any knowledge of this, but sort of morph into the podcast one, right? Like a Today for Podcasts, because uh, it just seems like that experience is working for them. Um, and it seems like that would help in the same way that it's helped people discover apps help people discover podcasts. Um, so I, I mean, hope to see that. I mean, you can make a case not to go down the Apple rabbit hole, but you can make a case for yeah. that. All, <laughs> all of their, all of their media products would benefit from that sort of level of curation. Uh, music already kind of yeah. has that via beats one. Um, yep. But even, you know, say like the, the TV app could have, you know, uh, a specialized version of today tab for app store. Um, totally. but, but, um, to to that end, I mean, I look at like Overcast, right? And and you know, to be frank, the Overcast is someone I don't know who said this, but someone basically put it: Overcast is an app Marco made for himself, but we're just you know fortunate enough to use it. Um, I think Marco might have might have put that in his like terms of service or whatever, right? <laughs> he wanted to build the app that he wanted to use. Um, um, and, and to yeah. that end, discoverability within Overcast, uh, I don't think it is a high enough priority in, in, in the UI. And I don't want to make this like a design review of overcast or anything, but um, I know there's, there's some other, you know, because it's a modal view, right? It's not even like a tab. Yep. It's a plus button. And you see some stuff. It's not meant to be a place where you discover and spend a lot of time in. Um, yep. And then there is some other apps. Like I think even like pocket cast or one of the other ones that is literally just like showing their discovery is here. Are the top charts from iTunes. Um, yep. So do you think that who do you think is in a one is in a in in the best position to kind of build that sort of Netflix of podcasts that we're sorely missing now? And yeah, um, yeah what's your kind of sort of view on, on where client apps and discoverability goes? Because, I mean, even a lot of those things about word of mouth you're talking about. You know, Apple Music has that feature now where you can see what other people are listening to. Would be shocked to see that not come to podcasts, right? Yep, um, yep. At least if you can opt, you know, in the same way with Apple, you can opt into something like that. Um, right. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, so I, I use Overcast. That's my podcast app of choice. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I think I think Marco would admit that, you know, the, the sort of discovery section hasn't been updated since it first shipped, really. I mean, it's got new content surfaced from, you know, a mix of, you know, when he goes and pays some attention to it and, and the sort of Twitter recommendations or most favorited. But, you know, he hasn't I don't think he's spent a lot of time thinking or at least we haven't seen the fruits of him thinking um, about, you know, how to design that for today's context. Um, and so I think, you know, 
correctly, um, users are at a detriment for that. I think currently Apple's probably best positioned just because they have the most people, they have the most resources. Um, you know, if they wanted to, Phil and Eddie could get in a room and say, all right, we're going to staff the, the podcast engineering and editorial teams. Uh, and we'd like to see this happen in the next six months. Um, and I think they could do that. Um, I think Spotify could do that as well, right? Can you imagine a Discover Weekly for podcasts um, or a release radar for podcasts? That'd be, that'd be pretty powerful. Um, and I think even, uh, uh, honestly, I don't think it'd be too far-fetched to say like Netflix could do that, right? Netflix has TV shows and movies. Who's to say that they couldn't do podcasts, right? Um, especially as, you know, they're getting fiercer and fiercer competition from, uh, Amazon, right. Which has audiobooks and audible and, and podcasts there. Um, you know, why couldn't they branch out into other mediums, especially if they have all these relationships with, with talent. Um, so, you know, maybe they could create a Netflix of podcasts. Uh, well, I mean, it's funny cause um, I mean, if you view Netflix as a story company, and not a video yeah. company, then that's totally doable, right? Like it depends on what your sort of uh, reason, your self-defined reason for being is, right? And if if it's a story thing, then I mean, I, few mediums as good as podcasts for storytelling. Exactly, and they say famously, like their their biggest competitor is sleep, right? Uh, <laughs> what's another way to address that? Well, it's to get another content type on their platform um, to give people less and less of a reason to leave Netflix in pursuit of another activity or sleep. You might be listening to a podcast as you fall asleep. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I would love to see that happen. I think that'd be really cool. And I think in, at this point, it'd be healthy, I think, for a competitor to enter the market in a really serious way, like a big competitor, like a Google, a Spotify, a Netflix, because um, I think it will give... Um, probably the people even internally at Apple who really want to see podcasts continue to be a big thing. Um, the, the ability to be able to point and say, look, they're investing this much, right? They've got $5 billion in, uh, allocated toward funding podcast content. Why can't we do that? Um, cause again, I think Apple wants podcasts to be a big deal. And, uh, yeah, I think competition in the same way that, you know, Android and, and iPhone, you know, benefited Android and iOS benefited from, coexisting in this space um i think another podcast player or podcast platform um would benefit all podcast listeners um so yeah well, hopefully staying on that on the like the player content discovery like content experience layer of the stack that like your apples and spotify's of the world are participating on you mentioned the the you know idea of a of an you know another sort of major competitor here um, and it almost strikes me that this sort of space is similar to the way video is where like, you know, I, I know there are some startups in the sort of client experience space, right? Anchor famously New York's doing some like, I mean, they're doing some crazy shit. <laughs> I mean, if you see some of their, <laughs> yep. from their design yep. to like their whole sort of like, let's democratize this entire media format. Um, totally. I love it because nothing for them is off the table. They have redesigned their app several times. They've, they've welcomed a bunch of different types of content. Um, they have talked to a bunch of different publishers and personalities about things that they should be doing with the platform. I think they were just named like one of fast companies, like most innovative companies already. Um, they, nothing, what I love about Mike and that team is that like nothing is off limits for them. And I, and I think that is healthy in terms of moving the medium forward because eventually they're going to find something that even if they're not ultimately the ones who will see it through to where it is mass adopted, they might invent the pull to refresh for podcasts, so to speak, that then Apple borrows and unfortunately to, to anchors detriment, but to podcast audiences, uh, collective benefit. And I think that's awesome. Right. Uh, and then there's also, uh, I'm trying to think the other sort of startup in the space is breaker, um, which yep, is taking breaker. a more, more of a social approach. Um, I mean, yep. anchor even does that to some degree too, but, um, my my sense is that uh, looking at this, it, it's it's like video in that like, can anyone really you know come in at the ground level, build an app that really solves all these problems, and build a sustainable business out of it, right? Without having being like, 
having podcasts being part of a differentiated portfolio of other products the way that it is at Apple or Google or Spotify or whatever. Because, I mean, like, I to me, like, as a product person, the, the problems that yeah. need to be solved and, like, the product I would want to build is, like, I could articulate that. I was actually talking to a friend who is a developer about, like, maybe doing it as a side project now that I have more free time on my hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, but the the issue is, given that you have these sort of entrenched platforms that don't necessarily have to worry about um, about sustainability for this particular line of business. Uh, do do you see that as sort of a, a cap on like innovation in this space? I mean, like for example, uh, I'm trying to think of another analog. Maybe Twitter and Twitter clients was a, another sort of area where. Um, yeah, people were able to build sustainable businesses and there was the, the best ideas with one out in the market. It feels like, uh, even though we're not fully centralized here, just the, the sort of audience sizes of the various platforms, uh, incumbent platforms, just put a, put a ceiling on how far any particular new entrant goes. Yeah. I mean, even Apple could, right. To use the Twitter example, Apple could borrow a chapter out of the Twitter playbook and say, listen, every single podcast app that's been using our directory uh, can't happen anymore, uh, right? In the same way that Twitter said, you know, you can't have access to this API um, to be able to have these these features or, you know, um, this sort of this bandwidth and, you know, these amount of calls to the API. So, um, in you know, in some ways you might see this, right? You might, Apple might uh, put the kibosh on on Overcast and then what do we do, right? Um, does, does Marco then, you know, sort of have a call out for people to, to submit podcasts to Overcast directly and in this sort of special way. And then he has to focus even more on curation, which, you know, because he's only one person takes time away from other features that he might have planned, like CarPlay or, you know, Voice Boost, you know, 2.0. It's, it becomes incredibly um, tricky. What I'd say is though, is that like for, for the um, anchors and the breakers and whoever else, you know, might be thinking of something right now, I think you definitely need a few ingredients in order to be able to to sort of match your competition. Um, and those those ingredients are sort of they're both cost prohibitive and sort of like resource prohibitive. But I don't think it's impossible. And I don't think that like innovation cannot exist in the space unless it comes from Apple because of Apple or unless it comes from, you know, uh, one of the big companies because of the way in which it's structured. I think you could have a company tomorrow, for example, or in six months from now that has enough venture capital in order to be able to work on uh, a really great product that matches all of the features of every popular podcast client now, right? Like if I, for me to switch, I'd need smart speed and voice boost and all that stuff to, to be able in this, you know, accessible in this new app, or at least have some good enough equivalent. Um, so you have resources that allow them to, to build out the product. They've got to match people on content, right? If I can't get access to Pod Save America or uh, you know, connected from Relay FM, you know, on another podcast app, the Netflix of podcasts. I'm not going to go there because um, I want to listen to the shows I like already. So um, you've got to match people on features, on content. Um, you probably have to have a good enough uh, design, right? It probably can't be um, have all the features, but sort of be clunky about it. Um, it's got to be uh, reliable, right? The app can't be crashing on you all the time. Um, but I, don't, I think all those stuff is that's like all achievable, right? Like you could have people uh, with enough venture capital who go out and spend eight months securing content, you know, working with a great product team to build the great experiences that match it, that just by virtue of having eight people tasked to a team, you know, matches features. Um, and I think podcasting as it exists today is not so siloed that you and I wouldn't switch if it, if it ticked all the right boxes. Um, and and you know maybe something like that does exist um uh so it'll be interesting i i i think right now we're sort of to your point earlier like it, we're sort of we feel like we're in stasis right like the the sort of um the clients the platforms discovery it all hasn't caught up with the pace of content and, and adoption of content um but i think almost adoption of content and content quality has to come before any of that stuff comes, right? You've got to have a reason to invest in all of this stuff uh, in order for you to be, and you've got to have analytics, right? You've got to be able to build a business right. um, in order to be able to invest in the other aspects. And so now that I think we're slowly checking those boxes, I think the we're, we're sort of going to uh, 
sort of unwind from state, I think we're going to start moving forward again. Um, and I think we're going to move forward, not just in terms of discovery and in terms of sustainability from a business model perspective, but I think, um, I think, you know, the Apple podcast app will continue to get better. I think, uh, hopefully iTunes goes away. I know we've been saying that for years, but I think you're starting to see pieces of the ecosystem, you know, sort of fade away or get tucked into new places that sort of signal that that might be happening. Um, and again, you know, as that stuff continues to happen, uh, as the, the ecosystem gets better and better and more mature, more and more people will flock to it. And then it's just a snowballing effect. So that is part one of my conversation with Zach. Part two, again, will be dropped as a separate episode uh, in the feed. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or a recommendation in Overcast. Be sure to subscribe so you get part two of this conversation. And yeah, that's it for me today. We out. We out.